All right. Well, let's pray, and we can uh, jump into this uh, together. If you have your Bibles, uh, we're continuing our Acts series. We're going to be in Acts chapter 16. Uh, and if you don't have your Bibles, that's okay, because the verses are going to be up there on the screen. Um, Father God, thank you for the opportunity, the huge honor it is, God, to, to, to share your word with university students, God, to study your word together. God, I pray, Lord, that as we study it, you would shape and mold us to be the men and women of God that you desire for us to be, that our lives would be pleasing to you, and that we would learn from your scriptures, God, that our hearts would be good soil for your, your word to implant in and grow in us, grow a harvest of faith, a harvest of righteousness in each of us, God, in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, would you speak what only you want spoken, God? Would you help me to get out of the way of what you want to communicate tonight, God? God, would you speak to each heart? God, would you give, give each student man, something they can grab hold of and, and, and walk out of this room with, God, uh, and have a closer walk with you, a closer experience with you? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So in our Talk to the Person Next Week time, we were talking about rights. Man, what are the essential, critical human rights that we see? Man, every single person, every single human being, just because they exist, just because they're human, they should be entitled to blank. They should have this right. There are some rights that we feel like like every person should have at least this, right? We may disagree on what those are, but we feel passionately there are some rights that every single person should have. And we live in the United States, we've got a lot of our rights. In the United States, man, what are our rights? What are our freedoms? We have a whole bill of rights, right? Where those first 10 uh, amendments saying, saying that the things we have the right to, uh, and I'm thankful, man, we, we have rights here that, man, there's places in the world that they don't have those same rights. We're not perfect. We've got a long way to go. But we have these discussions about, man, what rights are most important as human beings? What are the really important ones? What's the most important rights? Um, we debate about those things, man, we get arguments about those things. But we feel passionate that there's something, right? That as human beings, like, man, that, that there's some rights, and that there's some things that the person, man, just because they live, just because they exist, they're valuable. As Christians, more, more, more than that even, we know that they are created in the image of God. Every single human being, every single person you meet, is someone created in God's image. And because they're created in God's image, they have dignity, they have value, they have worth, right? That, that there's certain rights uh, that, that are entitled to them, no matter what kind of person they are, it's because they're made in God's image. So we'll, we'll talk about those different kind of rights. Maybe you'll see conversations about it. You'll see your social media about it. Maybe you'll see political debates about it. And we're trying to figure out, man, what are the most important human rights? Man, what can we agree on about that? And we don't always agree, right? We'll have, we'll have discussions about the right to health care, right? And some people are trying to figure out, and what, what does it mean for every human being to have a right to some kind of health care? Right, man, that's a big issue in the United States right now, right? Okay, if every human has a right to healthcare, like, what's that look like? How are we going to figure out that out together? We talk about things like the right to life. You know, does a person have a right to be alive? And if they do have a right to be alive, man, what measures are we going to take to ensure that? We talk about the right for uh, I mean, the unborn, and baby's not born yet, to be alive. And how does that right come up against, man, a woman's right, a mother's right? And to choose what she does with her body. And those are some different rights, man. They come up against each other. We have these kind of conversations. Talk so about the right to uh, free speech. Man, it's a, hey, I've got a right to say whatever I want, okay? And someone else might say, yeah, you got a right to say whatever you want, but there's consequences for that. I mean, you can't just say stuff that's going to be hurtful and harmful and destructive. And so, man, we talk about these different rights. And how do we figure out, man, what rights are truly important? How do we figure out which rights we're going to be, hey, this is the cause that I'm going to champion, I'm going to get behind, I'm going to, I'm going to invest everything in. 
uh, it's important that we figure those things out. Our faith in God often informs how we feel about those things, right? We feel strongly about this right or that right, maybe because of how we feel about God, right? So we talk about as Christians, we believe people are made in the image of God, that human beings are image bearers. So they have a dignity, they have a worth, and everyone is valuable, and that's how we're going to approach men's rights. Uh, as Christians, I believe that the Lord wants us to stand up to injustice. And he wants us to stand up when we see unfair treatment of the people around us. We see certain people group being treated unfairly. And I believe part of our role as Christians is to speak out about that and say, hey, that's not right. That's not fair. That's not just. And to be a part of a solution for making a more just world. The world's never going to be perfect, right? Until, until Jesus comes back, till heaven, right? There's always going to be problems. But as Christians, we don't just sit back and be like, it's just bad, it's just going to be bad until Jesus comes back. No, we want to be an active part of transforming this world, God's kingdom coming on earth as it is in heaven, making a more just, a more fair world. So at the same time, uh, a huge part of being a Christian, so as we see injustices, we want to fight against them, as we see unfair treatment, we want to fight for the rights of those people. But then we have this other side of the coin, as being a believer also involves laying down our own rights and privileges. And looking at our own rights, privileges, entitlements, and saying, okay, maybe I have the right to this, maybe I'm entitled to this, but God, what are you asking me to lay down for the good of someone else? Right? And maybe, and I've got a right to do this. Well, you may have a right to do it, but is it better for others if you lay that right down, you lay that privilege down? And that's something that have been walking out as a Christian as well. You've got to figure out, okay, what rights do I lay down uh, for the good of, of good of my neighbor, for the good of the other person, man, for the good of God's kingdom and for the gospel. Uh, so how do we reconcile those things, right? Man, how do we figure that out? Man, man, when we lay down our rights, when we fight for our rights, isn't it exciting the Bible has something to say about this? Amen? We've been studying the New Testament book of Acts together uh, in Chi Alpha over this last semester. Um, and we've been talking about how we can know our purpose in life as believers when we understand that we have been sent by God. The, the, the series is just called Sent, S-E-N-T. Because as a believer, man, as a follower of Christ, man, if you have put your trust in Jesus, and I'm trying to follow Jesus, you've been sent by God. You don't go anywhere on accident. Right? Whatever situation you find yourself in, you don't just happen to be there. You've been sent by God for a purpose. And so understanding what that purpose is, is going to inform how you behave in that situation, what your attitude is in that situation. You don't just happen to be there. You've been placed there, sent there by God and for a purpose. So last week, we talked about being able to give God glory in every circumstance, no matter how dark, negative the circumstance, saying, okay, even in the middle of this, I'm still going to praise God. I'm still going to bring glory to God. We read about Paul and Silas on their second missionary journey there in the city of Philippi, right? And so as Paul and Silas are in Philippi, they're, they're talking about Jesus. They're sharing the good news of what God has done, sending his son Jesus. They're sharing that with people who hadn't heard it. And they encounter a slave girl and a girl who's being taken advantage of. She's being trafficked, exploited. The slave masters were exploiting her, using her to make money. Um, and she, she was demonically possessed, right? Uh, being, being, being possessed by, by, by an evil spirit. And the slave master was just taking advantage of that, using her, exploiting that. When Paul, Paul comes across her, and he commands in the name of Jesus that spirit to leave her, and it does. And instead of everyone being like, praise the Lord, the slave girl's free, no, they get mad. So, man, we're making money off of her. You just ruined my business. Uh, so they have Paul's house arrested, stripped, beaten, 
and thrown in jail for seeing an injustice, seeing a wrong and making it right, right? He saw something that was wrong. Hey, this girl's being taken advantage of. This girl's being exploited. He set her free in the name of Jesus. Well, they didn't like that, right? So they had him stripped and beaten and thrown in jail. And we saw Paul and Silas in the, in the dungeon, you know, in the, 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 ba the basement of the, this house prison here uh, in stocks, uh, beaten, uh, and they start praising the Lord. We're talking about, man, can we bring glory to God even in those dark moments? We see Paul and Silas praise Jesus, praise the Lord, sing hymns to God there at midnight in the darkest hour. An earthquake hits. The stocks break off. The, the, the prison doors fly open. Uh, the jailer, the person who's in charge of keeping them there in the prison, freaks out. I mean, he's about to kill himself. Uh, and Paul says, don't do that. Don't do that. We're all still here. It's going to be okay. And the guy says, man, what in the world is happening? What do I need to do to be saved? And so he leads him to Jesus. He shares the good news of Jesus. The jailer and the jailer's whole family receives Jesus and is baptized. The text we're looking at tonight picks up immediately after this. So the jailer and his family have come to Christ. Paul and Silas are no longer in stocks. They're no longer in the prison cell. Now what? Let's take a look at it. We're in Acts chapter 16, verse 33. We're going to pick up right after this story. Acts chapter 16, starting in verse 33, we're going to continue. The jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. So they got beaten pretty bad, right? They've got sores, wounds that the jailer's got to take care of. It says, he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. They brought them into the house and set a meal before him. And he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. Verse 35, the next morning the city officials sent the police to tell the jailer, let these men go. So the city officials are like, hey, we've got to let these guys go, get them out of here. So the jailer told Paul, the city officials have said that you and Silas are free to leave, so go in peace. Go in peace. Paul says, uh-uh. Nope. Not doing that. Verse 37, Paul replies, they have publicly beaten us without a trial and sent us to prison. We're not going to peace. They want us to leave quietly. He says, and we are Roman citizens, so now they want us to leave secretly. Certainly not. Let them come themselves to release us. So the city officials catch wind of what's happened, and they say, man, we need these guys to get out of the city. Something weird, supernatural is going on here. Earthquakes happen when these guys praise the Lord. There, there's freaky stuff going on. Get these guys out of the city and try to do it quietly. And so the jailer, man, he's just passing the message along. Paul says, no, I'm not going to leave quietly. Y'all messed up, right? Y'all treated me unfairly, right? Y'all treated me and Silas unfairly. This was unjust. This was unfair. And I'm not going to be silent about it. When Paul and Silas are released, they're told by the officials to leave in peace. But Paul refuses, and he appeals to his rights as a Roman citizen. He says, I'm a Roman citizen, right? You can't, can't treat me like this, right? You can't just beat me up. Throw me in prison and expect me to be quiet about it. The question is, and you might be reading this, and this is what I think too, reading it as well. Why did Paul not make this appeal before he was beat up and thrown in prison? Right? Wouldn't that be a good time to say, hold up, before y'all beat me and strip me naked and beat, beat me and throw me in prison, I'm a Roman citizen, don't do that. Right? Wouldn't the good time to be to say that be before it happened and not after? I think there's some, some possible reasons why this is. You know, part of it is, man, Paul realized he, he's there to do what? He's there to preach the gospel. He's there to tell people about Jesus and see people come into the family of God and start following Jesus. And he knows that as these people start following Jesus, they're going to be persecuted just like he's being persecuted. That he wouldn't be the first one beaten in prison for following Jesus. 
So what Paul knows is, even though he's got rights and privileges as a Roman citizen, most of the people in that city did not. So they're in the city of Philippi. Historians say maybe about 10 to 15,000 people there. Over half of them would have been slaves. Right? Over half of them would not be Roman citizens. About 60% would have been uh, slaves, uh, men, men, uh, low working class Greeks. They wouldn't be able to pull the card out and say, hey, you know, I'm a citizen. Don't hurt me. Right? Most of the people in that city would not have that same kind of privilege. So if I'm Paul and I'm in this situation, I'm saying, okay, I'm about to, about to get beat up. I'm about to go in prison. And, and I'm trying to teach these other people to follow Jesus. And they're, they're going to experience the same thing. I think part of this, Paul wants to model for them man, what it is to suffer for Jesus when you don't have power. Right? When you don't have privilege. Um, and how do, you, how do you endure persecution in a way that honors God when you're powerless? Right? Paul says, man, I have these privileges. I'm not going to exercise them now because these people need, need to see that I'm just like them. Right? They need to see that you can endure this even if you don't have that power and privilege. So I believe he did it for their sake. He endured it so they could see, have that example. Okay, so then why does Paul bring it up at all? Then? Why does he bring it up after he's released? So even though Paul was willing to endure persecution for the sake of the gospel, and man, in Paul's writings, you can see that, that it's almost a badge of honor. And Jesus suffered, and for me to suffer for Jesus is a, a badge of honor that God would count me worthy of that. Even though he was willing to endure that, all the same, the way they were treated was not right, right? Those, those police did not have the right to arrest them without trial, did not have the right to strip their clothes off and beat them, right? Didn't have a right to, to throw them in this jail, again, without fair trial, without a fair hearing. The way they were treated was not right. And so Paul wants to address that. He wants to bring attention to that. And I think he hopes by addressing that fact, it might prevent future persecution of Christians in that city. Say, so, I mean, if they're willing to do that to us, they're going to do it to these other people as well. And I think he wants people to think twice before they abuse Christians. Right? So saying all the people that are going to come behind me believe in Christ because of me. Um, and I want to make sure, I want to make the world a little better for them. So I'm going to call out this unjust policing. Right? I'm going to call out this police brutality. Y'all beat me up. Uh, and it's not right. I'm going to call attention to that. So maybe he hoped by addressing it, he'd prevent future persecution. And it's an important part of Paul's proclamation of the kingdom to dismantle oppressive systems, right? Uh, and that includes stuff like unjust policing, right? These are the kind uh, of things that as the kingdom goes forth, uh, oppression should cease. Unjust, unfair systems should be dismantled. That's part of God's good news going forward uh, is to break those chains and to bring freedom uh, for all people uh, because all people are creating God's image. All people are people that God loves. So there's a kind of paradox at work here, right? Paul didn't d defend his own rights, but I think for the sake of others, he's saying, hey, you can't treat people like this. You can't treat Christians like this. Um, and he, he wanted to, 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 to draw attention to that. So here's what I want you guys to get. This is going to kind of be the focal point uh, of our talk here tonight. As followers of Christ, as sent people, Followers of Christ are both willing to lay down their own rights and privileges for the sake of the gospel while simultaneously fighting for the rights and dignity of others. They do both, right? A Christian lays down their own rights, but when he sees injustice, fights for the rights of others. That's wild, right? They're not going to speak up for themselves. They're going to trust, no, God's got me. God, God can take care of me. I don't have to fight and try to stand up for my own, my own privileges, my own entitlements, and say, hey, I'm entitled to this. You're all treating better. 
But for the sake of others, I'm going to point out injustice. I'm going to draw attention to things that are not right and say, hey, that's not right. And I'm not just going to let that slide. I'm not just going to be quiet about that. I'm going to draw attention when something's not right to bring change. And so a Christian does both. The follower of Jesus does both. He knows when it's time. She knows when it's time to say, I'm going to lay down my rights here. Right? I'm not going to call attention to my rights here. But then other times, man, I do need to speak up for the rights of others. They do both. Right? And so uh, we see Paul talk about this quite a bit and the different rights that he has. As we read the, uh, the letters from Paul in the New Testament, we see he says, I have a right to this, but I'll lay down that right for your sake. One of the examples he uses is that as their pastor, Man, he never took up money from, from, from the church, right? He said he worked another job. Uh, he, he had a right to take up money as a pastor. Man, he, he was pastor and full-time job. Um, but he said, I didn't want that to be an obstacle. I didn't want people to think, oh, Paul's just in it for the money. So I worked another job as a tent maker. I laid down my right to ask you for money. Uh, but um, because I didn't want that to be an obstacle. I didn't want anybody thinking, oh, Paul's just in it for the money. And that keep them from receiving Jesus. But then when it's time to take up an offering for another church, he says, hey, man, y'all ought, ought to give so that your pastors have stuff to live on, right? He says, I, I didn't, I laid down my own right, but I'm going to fight for the rights of others when it's important, right? And so, so, so Paul understood with identifying with those that were less privileged and saying, I'm going to become all things to all people so I can share the gospel with them, I can win them to Christ, right? I'm, I'm, when, I, when I see injustice, I'm going to speak out about it. He does both. You know, as a Christian, there's times for us to, to look at our rights and say, uh, maybe I'm entitled to this. But for the sake of Jesus, I'm going to lay it down, right? Um, because maybe our entitlement has kind of turned into selfishness, and it becomes an obstacle for people hearing about Jesus. Um, what this looks like in our own schedule is like, man, I have a right to my free time. I'm entitled to this time, and I'm, I'm supposed to have this, this time is just for me to do whatever I want to. Uh, God says, maybe, maybe I want you to lay that down to go and love your neighbor. Maybe your roommate needs help. Maybe the guy across the hall needs help. And maybe you've got a friend that needs to hear about Jesus. Uh, I want you to be available to me in this time. Yeah, you've got a right to this time, but would you lay down that right and see how God would use you instead? Right? All of our life is that. Man, we got a, I feel like I've got a right to my money, my bank account, right? I worked hard for that money. But God may be putting on your heart to be generous. Hey, would you give that to someone else? Maybe you hear about a problem. You, maybe you hear about uh, a, a girl you know that man, she's going through a hard time financially, and God says, hey, now, I want you to give a little bit to her to help her out. Say, oh, God, that's my money. i got a right to my money, though. I know I worked for it. Yeah, you've got a right to it. But will God have you lay down that right to bless someone else? you hear me? So there's some, there's some things, there's some rights that we get so uh, entitled, because that's our culture, right? To just be entitled, to be like, oh, I've got a right to this. But God says, no, man, first and foremost, your life belongs to me, and I want to use you uh, for my glory, and I want to use you to bless other people. So lay down your rights to be a blessing to other people. And so the Christian is stuck in this paradox of, man, we're, we're the people that lay down our rights, but then when we see the rights of others being infringed on, we speak up and say, hey, that's not right. You guys follow me? You guys hear me? So this is where Paul's at right here. What happens next? What happens when Paul draws attention to this unfair treatment? Verse 38. When the police reported this, the city officials were alarmed to learn that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens. They said, oh, you're what now? We messed up. Right? We messed up. Verse 39, so they came to the jail and apologized to them. Oh, we had no idea. We're so sorry. If we would have known, we never should have done this. No, it doesn't matter. We don't treat people like this, right? That's not the point. Um, so they brought them out and they begged them to leave the city. Please don't cause any more problems. Please leave. Verse 40, when Paul and Silas left the prison, they returned home to the home of Lydia. Remember, this is the woman that came to Christ, the wealthy woman, the entrepreneur. Um, 
There they met with the believers and encouraged them once more, and then they left town. They leave town. I don't know if things got better for the believers there after Paul spoke out, right? Uh, I mean, he, he's drawing attention to this unfair treatment, hoping that future believers, uh, that people would think twice before abusing and persecuting Christians. I don't know if things got better after he left, but that's not the point. The point is that we draw attention to injustice and we fight to change it. And after that, we trust the outcome to the Lord. And there's some systems we can't change, right? We're just one person. But we can speak out. We can speak the truth. We can say, hey, this isn't right. This isn't fair. Um, and this is someone that God loves, and you can't treat him that way. And we trust the outcome to the Lord. We do what we can and trust the outcome to the Lord. And that's what Paul and Silas do here. And then they, and they leave town. They do move on. Paul and Silas do leave town because ultimately there's an even greater injustice and right that drives them. There's an even greater injustice and an even greater human right that motivates everything they do. And that's what I want us to look at in this remainder uh, of the talk here. The human right. There was a evangelism initiative, missions initiative, a youth initiative, hope you may remember, uh, several years back called the human right. Do you remember that? Uh, you remember that? The human right? So the human right had, it, it's kind of explained like this. We, we talk about rights all the time. Like, what are really important rights of human beings? We talk about healthcare rights and voting rights and, and all these kind of things. But one of the most fundamental rights that every single human has, the human right, maybe the right that's more important than any other right, every single human being has a right to hear the gospel. Every single human being has a right to hear about Jesus. Man, God did this tremendous thing for human beings by sending his son Jesus. Every single human being should have a right to hear about that. Right? Shouldn't every single human being have the right to hear about what God's done for them, to receive that forgiveness and have a chance to go to heaven, right? Everyone has a right for that. God did it for everybody, for the whole world. Every single person has a right to hear that. And maybe one of the greatest injustices of our time, and we can look at the world and see so many problems, see so many injustices, see so many people being treated unfairly, and then certainly there's horrible uh, conditions, and, and, and there's hunger, and there's wars, but one of the greatest issues because there's so many people that still haven't heard the good news of Jesus. I mean, every single human should have the right to hear about Jesus at least one time so they can accept or reject the gospel. And there's so many people that haven't even heard one time. Now, we live in the southern United States. They call the Bible Belt. Now, you may maybe grew up and heard about Jesus a ton of times. Right? We've got a church in every corner, but there's people that still haven't heard. And, and, and every single person deserves to at least hear what Jesus did. Maybe they accept it. Maybe they reject it. But for them not even to have the chance to hear it, is a huge injustice, right? So that's what this concept of the human right is all about. And the biggest right we should have as humans is have an opportunity to be reconciled to God because of what Jesus did for us. But if we don't even know about it, how can we be? So it's this injustice that I believe draws, drives Paul to go to the next city, and then the next city, and the next city. And on the days he wanted to quit, to realize, man, there's people that still need to hear about Jesus and what God's done, and God's glory is worth it, and so that drives him on. Every single person has a right to hear the gospel. And this right, above all others, pushes Paul to go from one city to the next so that God can be glorified as people hear and respond to the gospel. The gospel just means the good news of what God has done for them through Jesus Christ. This kept him going. Others would have quit like a long time ago. So as we follow Paul's story, he's been beaten up. Twice, and the last time he was beaten up, he was left for dead. He was so beaten that they thought he was dead. Maybe he did die, and, and God supernaturally raised him. We, we can't know that for sure, but he's been beaten up twice. I mean, he's been thrown in prison. How many of us would have quit already? We'd be like, okay, my missionary journey is over. I'm going home. I did some, 
good work, right? I, I got some I started some churches. I think I'm gonna kick back and just get to my writing letters phase of my ministry, right? No. A lot of us would have quit, but this, this human rights, I mean, there's still people that need to hear about Jesus. There's still cities that the gospel hasn't been proclaimed, and I want to see God glorified by these people hearing the gospel and responding to it. So that human right, that, that desire to see people come to Jesus takes them to the next city. So where does it take him next? Uh, chapter 17, verse 1. It says, Paul and Silas then traveled through the towns of Amphipolis, Amphipolis, <laughs> Apollonia, and came to Thessalonica, where there was a Jewish synagogue. As was Paul's custom, he went to the synagogue service, and for three Sabbaths in a row, he used the scriptures to reason with the people. He explained the prophecies and proved the Messiah must suffer and rise from the dead. He said, this Jesus I'm telling you about is the Messiah. And some of the Jews who listened were persuaded, and they joined Paul and Silas, along with many God-fearing Greek men and quite a few prominent women. So Paul and Silas continued. They moved from Philippi to the next city. They moved to Thessalonica. Again, we're still in ancient Greece. We're kind of moving down the coast there. And they reason with people in the synagogues and persuade many of them to follow Jesus. Now, I want you to think about who in your life needs to hear the gospel. Who in your life do you need to reason with, to persuade, to say, hey, to point at the scripture and say, hey, this Jesus, he's the Messiah, he's Savior. He, he wants to save your life. And he wants to be your Savior. He wants to make you right with God. Uh, there's people in our lives that need to be persuaded like this. And it says that many people do believe, uh, not just Jews, but also Greeks, Greek men, and uh, Luke tells us also a few prominent women. Never let anyone tell you that women are not a critically important part of the church. Right? We've seen women mentioned again and again and again. So we've been studying Acts, we've been studying um, in the history of the early church, and women are incredibly important. In the last city, men, whose house did they stay at? They stayed at Lydia's house, right? The successful woman that God used to, to house the missionary team there. Um, and Luke, Luke tells us all these prominent women, they're coming to the faith, and they're, they're a big deal. The women are important, right? And to the history of the church, women have had a very important role. We're gonna, as we continue in Acts and continue the Scent series, we're going to see God use women in other ways as well. But don't let anyone tell you that as a woman, you don't have a critical role to play in the church and God's mission in the kingdom. You guys hear me? We love women. Oh, it's on the Women History Month, like this month, right? So all the more so, we're pro, we're pro women. Uh, we have, we have. This is a side. This is sidebar. I'm gonna step out of my message for just one second. I'll get back to it. But we have a Women's History event uh, coming up towards the end of March, where the um, uh, uh, Crystal um, Martin, she's in the National Kyle Office in Springfield, Missouri. She's gonna be joining us. Uh, on Zoom to, just to uh, I mean, share some women's history stuff, a guest lecture. It is going to be awesome, and I want you guys to go ahead and be thinking about coming to that. We'll have more information about that coming up. But yeah, women are important. We're pro-women. I mean, God wants to use the ladies, too, uh, for His kingdom and for His glory. I know in, in church, we preach about a lot of men. We talk, share a lot of men's stories, and I don't know what it's like to be a lady and sit in the seat and be like, well, girls ever do anything? They do! <laughs> God wants to use you, too. Luke tells us that Man, Paul, going to the city, finding the synagogue, preaching in the synagogues was his custom, right? This is the pattern that we've seen man, all through uh, Paul's missionary journeys of going from town to town, and he would go to the synagogue, and he'd share about Jesus from the scriptures, and he would do this again and again and again. It was his custom. It was his pattern. And that's why I encourage you guys, as you think about sharing your faith with other people, it's, man, it's good to have uh, a pattern, right? It's good to have tools. It's something that, that you do again and again. Sometimes we can over-spiritualize being spontaneous. Thinking, I'll just show up and do whatever, right? 
But it's good for us to have a custom, a pattern, and good habits of saying, hey, this is something that I do. This is something that I've built into my schedule to help me share Jesus with people. Uh, I've made a point of it. There, there's good habits we can build that help us draw closer to God. Things like building a time into each day to study the Bible, building a time into each day to, to, to pray, to worship God. Um, and there's good habits we can, we can build. There's, there's good customs we can have. Like Paul had a custom here going to the, the synagogue to preach. Um, and so that's something for us to think about as well. I mean, what are some good habits, some good customs, God, we want to cultivate in our own life? Not just be spontaneous, seat of the pants, I'll just do whatever I feel like today. But God, is there a pattern you want me to follow that's going to help me live for you better? It's going to help me share my faith with others better. Continuing on to verse 5. So some of the Jews were jealous, so they gathered some troublemakers from the marketplace to form a mob and to start a riot. I don't know how they knew where the troublemakers were. I don't know if they stood on one corner and said, hey guys, we're going to come and we're going to start a riot. Let's go. And these guys are just ready for trouble, so they're all about it. It says they attacked the home of Jason, searching for Paul and Silas. They're trying to find Paul and Silas. They couldn't find him, but they found this other Christian guy named Jason. And they went to his home so they could drag them out into the crowd. Verse 6, not finding them there, they dragged out Jason and some of the other believers instead and took them before the city council. Paul and Silas have caused trouble all over the world, they shouted, and now they're disturbing our city too. And Jason has welcomed them into his house. They are all guilty of treason against Caesar, for they profess allegiance to another king, a king named Jesus. Verse 8, the people of the city as well as the city council were thrown into turmoil by these reports. So the officials forced Jason and the other believers to post a bond and pay to get out, and then they released them. So these jealous people, when they gather troublemakers, they form a mob, they're trying to run Paul and Silas out of town. What is the reason they give? These guys are causing trouble everywhere they go. What kind of trouble are they causing? Uh, and people are, are turning, away, turning away from their sins and turning to Christ. So people that made money off of people's sins and vices are now losing money. And they're upset about that, right? People that were taking advantage and exploiting people because of unjust systems. As people are coming to Christ, those systems are being overturned and people are losing money. And they're upset about that, right? So, so they, they've got these troublemakers. They've started a riot. And, and the reason that they give to the officials is treason. Right? They're, they're serving another king. They're not loyal to Caesar. They're not, they're not hailing Caesar. They're talking about this new king, Jesus. Now, well, let's get these guys. Let's run them out of town. We're not going to listen to any of that. Um, and one way they're right, right? As Christians, our allegiance is to Jesus before any king, before any public official, before any president. And our citizenship is first and foremost in heaven. When we put our trust in Jesus, here's what happens. We put our trust in Jesus and say, Jesus, I want you to be my Savior. And not only my Savior, but my Lord, capital L, Lord, the boss of my life. I want you to be king of my life. And I'm going to submit my life to you, and you're my king. And, and from that point forward, uh, I'm still going to live on earth, but my citizenship is in heaven. Right? I, I, my allegiance is to another kingdom, to another king. And I'm going to be on earth for a few years, 60, 70, 80, maybe 100 years. And after that, I'm going to be an eternity in heaven. That, that our, our citizenship in heaven is a more real, more eternal citizenship than our one on this earth. Our allegiance to Jesus has got to be chief above any allegiance to any, man, uh, any political power here on this earth, right? So for us to be like all in for this, this political candidate and that political candidate, uh, more so than we're all in for Jesus, we've missed it. And so when they say these, these guys aren't loyal to Caesar, they're just loyal to this new king, to Jesus, on the one hand, they're right, right? I mean, all of us have to come to a place where we say, hey, man, our chief 
allegiance has got to be to God. Our chief allegiance has got to be uh, to Jesus, and that's got to inform everything else that we do. But that makes the people jealous and upset, and so they turn on Paul and Silas. Verse 10. So that very night, believers sent Paul and Silas to Berea. So things are getting hot right there in the city. They're like, man, you cannot stay here. Things are getting violent. Um, we've got to send you out. So that very night, the believers sent Paul and Silas to Berea. And we're going to wrap up with this passage here. It says, when they arrived there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. Again, that's their pattern, right? They go to the city. They say, where are we going to go first? We're going to go to the synagogue. Why? Because people there in the synagogue have at least already heard about God. Uh, we've just got to point to the scriptures and tell them the good news about this guy named Jesus, uh, who was God's son and what, what he did and what God did through him. And so they go to, they go to the synagogue to preach there in Berea. Verse 11. And the people of Berea were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica. That must have been refreshing, right? After going from city to city and getting beat up and jumped. They're more open-minded and they listened eagerly to Paul's message. This part's important. Get this. They searched the scriptures day after day to see if Paul and Silas were telling the truth. And as a result, many Jews believed, as did many of the prominent Greek women and men. It says that when they went and preached in Berea, something different happened. They're more open-minded, and not only that, they listened with their Bibles open, or their scrolls open more accurately, and they searched the scriptures. Say, Paul, you're saying some crazy stuff that I'm looking in the scriptures, and you're right. The prophets did say that God was going to send a Messiah. God was going to send a Savior to save us. The prophets did say he was going to be like this, and he was going to do these things, and we could expect that he was going to suffer and die, and that he would raise from the dead. And, and they searched the scripture and said, oh, you're right. You're right. You're telling us this Jesus fulfilled these prophecies? Yeah, of course, we want to believe in Jesus. We want to follow Jesus. We can learn so much from these Bereans. That, I mean, as we hear new ideas, we hear, we hear new truth claims, we interpret that through scripture. And we, we listen to these things with our Bible open and compare it to Scripture and say, okay, does this either line up with Scripture? Or no, it doesn't, right? This, this is not true. Man, this is some false mess that I don't, want, I don't want to waste my time with with our Bibles open, right? Man, I want to encourage you guys, as you listen to sermons and teachings and messages, man, do it with your Bible open. Man, do it, man, man go, go and check, check the Scriptures. Does the Bible really say that? Man, do it to me. Don't just take my word for it just because I'm pastor. Right? And check, check and see, is the stuff Pastor Matt is teaching true? I mean, go, go back and read it. Read, read the Bible verse in context. Right? Read the chapter it's found in. Read the book it's found in. And say, hey, is, is, he, is he telling me the truth here? That's what the Bereans did. And I think it's commendable that they did. They searched the scriptures to make sure it was true. And I encourage you to be those kind of people as well. Right? That, that you want to just take someone's word for it just because they've got reverend in their name or pastor before their name or or this or that, or they're this kind of important person, but you search the scriptures and make sure it's true and allow Holy Spirit to confirm it with you, uh, not just take it for granted. It says, but then some Jews in Thessalonica learned that Paul was preaching the word of God in Berea, so they went there and stirred up trouble again. The believers acted at once, sending Paul to the coast while Silas and Timothy remained behind, and those escorting Paul went with him all the way to Athens. And they returned to Berea with instructions for Silas and Timothy to hurry up and join them. So they escaped to Berea, um, where people are more open-minded to the message. They have these Bereans who are searching the scriptures uh, to confirm the truth of what they're teaching. Uh, this is how we should be as well. The trouble keeps rising up, and so they go to the next city. They go to Athens. Next week, we're going to talk about Paul in Athens. 
Uh, and, and how do you share the gospel when there's not a synagogue to go to, right? How do you share about Jesus when people have no concept of who God is or the God of the Bible or Scripture or any of that? Um, looking at how Paul ministered to people in Athens. That's going to be next week. I'm excited about that. But, man, what, what does God want us to take away from this, what we've talked about tonight? Man, what, what, what does God want to apply to our life? What does this mean for us? I, mean, I, I have three questions. Three things for us to think about, to internalize. I mean, if you're taking notes, maybe something you jot down and think about this week in your devotional time, in your quiet time, in your time with God. Think about these things. First question is this. What rights and privileges do I have that the Lord would say to lay down so that my selfishness, my entitlement does not become an obstacle to people hearing the gospel? So, I mean, I've got all kinds of rights and privileges. I can always look at someone else and maybe I feel like has more privilege, more rights than I do, but I do have some rights and privileges. God, are there any of those you're asking me to lay down because they've become an obstacle to other people hearing about Jesus? We talked about maybe being uh, selfish with our time, and selfish with our money, selfish with this or that. Are there any rights we have that we can just put ourselves before God and say, God, are there any rights you want me to lay down for the good of your kingdom, for the good of other people, so that other people can hear the good news of Jesus. Second question is this, what rights of others do we see being violated that the Lord would have us speak up and draw attention to? Right? I mean, what are the, we talk about the causes that get us really fired up, the things we notice in the world that we get really passionate about. What are those things, I mean, particularly I mean, people being treated unfairly, um, others being violated, uh, mistreated, that God would have us speak up and draw attention to? The advancing kingdom of God destroys oppression. It dismantles systems that trample human dignity and take advantage of people. So how does the Lord want to use you to be part of dismantling and changing those systems to make the world around you a more just and fair world? God wants to use you to be a part of that. And so I ask Him, well, God, what does that mean for me? I'm just one guy. I'm just one girl. What does that mean for me? God, would you show me where there's injustice you want me to speak up about and not be silent about? I believe he'll show you that. I believe he'll use you that way. Last question is this. If the greatest right every single person has is to hear the gospel, how can the Lord use you to proclaim the good news of Jesus to the people in your life? Right? You've got, you've got friends uh, that don't know the Lord. You've got classmates, roommates that are far from God. You've got family members that are far from God. And as a human being, don't they have a right to just hear about what God's done for them in Jesus? And maybe God wants to use you to do that. And say, God, would you give me an opportunity to share this week with a roommate, with a friend, with a classmate, with a family member. Share my testimony. Man, here's what God's done for me. Here's the difference Jesus made in my life. My life was a huge mess before Jesus. And then the guy came in, and he cleaned me up, and he saved me, and he put me on the right path. Uh, here's the difference God's made in my life. He wants to do the same thing for you. God, would you use me? God, who do you want to use me to share the gospel with? Maybe God put specific people, specific names and faces on your heart that you can share with, even this week. Uh, and give, give them a chance to respond to the gospel. Give them a chance to respond to what God's done for them. Amen? That's what I want us to think about. It's kind of contemplative uh, uh, way to respond. Maybe God wants to use you. God wants to use you. Um, and I believe God wants to use every single person in this room for His kingdom and for His glory. If we'll let Him. If we'll let Him. Can we respond in prayer? Can you guys, can you guys pray with me? Father God, thank You for Your Word. God, we, there's so much discussion about rights 
and, and we can get swept up in it, and we can get swept up in causes and, and different things that people are championing and saying, hey, this is important, and this is worth your attention. Hey, this is really important, and almost, it's too much. And we can't, we can't rally behind every cause. We can't care about every issue. God, would you help us? God, would you help us? God, would you help us with all, all of that, all those distractions to not lose sight of you, God, that the most important thing is our relationship with you, Lord. God, I pray that you would help us to lay down anything that would be a distraction from really knowing you. God, would you help us to lay down any rights or privileges that would be an obstacle to people coming to know you, Jesus, and people hearing the gospel? God, would you show us, God, if there are uh, issues of injustice uh, in our sphere of influence that we can speak up to and say, hey, this isn't right. That when Paul is released from prison, he says, I'm not just going to go quietly. The way you treated me wasn't right. It's not right to arrest people without trial and beat them up and throw them in the dungeon. It's not right. God, but there's injustices around us uh, that we can also speak up to and say, hey, that's not right. That's not right. We shouldn't treat people that way. Uh, we can be a voice of truth and reconciliation uh, in this world, a voice for justice in this world, and that honors you, that glorifies you, Jesus. And God, help us to understand the biggest right, the most important need that every single person has is a need to be reconciled to you, God, a need to have a relationship with you, to have their sins forgiven, God. And so if there's people in our life that we know are far from you, God, would you use us? Help us to be motivated, like Paul and Silas were motivated. Help us to be motivated uh, to not be content with them being far from you. I pray that it would grieve us, break our hearts, to know that there's people around us that are far from Jesus. And God, use us. Holy Spirit, give us opportunities in conversation to share the good news of Jesus, to share the hope we found in Jesus. God, but we are afraid and timid and say, oh, I could never do that. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm not good at speaking. I'm not good at communicating. Help us to trust you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, that you're going to give us the words we need. We don't have to worry beforehand what we're going to say. Holy Spirit, that if we just open our mouths in obedience, you'll give us the words to say to communicate as we share our story, to share the, the hope, the joy, the love we found in you, Jesus. Use us, God. Use each and every one of us for your kingdom and for your glory. God, I love these students. I pray that you bless their lives. Help them with projects and papers and tests they have this week. God, help us to be um, a family, a close-knit community, God, that loves one another well. God, I pray that you would uh, build friendships, relationships. God, here, here in Kyle, help us to, to, to be involved in one another's lives, encouraging one another, praying for one another, encouraging um, each other to grow in Christ, to, to, to press on in the Lord, God. We love you, Jesus. Be glorified in our lives. Pray for your will to be done in our lives. Above all, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you guys so much. I'm so glad you're here. And if it's your first time ever coming to Calpha, man, I'm, I'm excited you're here. And I hope you enjoyed it. And say hey, hey to a few people. Meet some people. There are a lot of new faces here tonight. So maybe find two or three people that you don't know. And introduce yourself. Say, hey, my name's Matt. Well, you'd say your name. <laughs> Glad to meet you. Uh, meet some new people. You're welcome to hang out for a while here. Uh, again, tomorrow night is the Poplet Trivia on Zoom at 7 o'clock. Uh, and then we'll see you here uh, next week, next Thursday night, right here in the Psych Auditorium. Love you guys. Have a great week.